Hello students, this is Sanjeev Kumar, founder of Compete12.org. We are involved in uh, training and mentoring students for various competitive examinations like uh, NTA NEET, J mains, etc. We also deal with higher uh, competitive examinations for research fellowships like JAM, then GATE, and then also uh, students who want to get uh, support and assistance to admissions to various institutions abroad, we help them as well. But today's podcast is about the first chapter of NCRT Biology Class 11, namely the living world. So I'm going to talk about the living world today. We all know how wonderful it is, the living world, because there are a wide range of living types and uh, they stay in extraordinary habitats. For example, just uh, you can find value of flowers, you can find uh, sharks, you can see galloping horses. So these are all examples of life. But what happens is there is ecological conflict and cooperation among members of the population and also among populations of the community. And even if we study at the molecular level, there is molecular traffic inside a cell which makes us deeply reflect on what indeed is life. So there was a book, What is Life, written by Erwin Schrodinger, which influenced physics a look at how biology would look like from the perspective of physics and chemistry whether crystal is life living or not so we will discuss that so uh, definitely the first question is to seek what life is means what is the differentiation between life and non-life and the second question a bit of philosophical one seeks to answer what the purpose of life is why we are there existing in this world what is the basis of our existence, what we are here to achieve. So we'll be discussing uh, the first question, which is what is living. So basically, when we talk about uh, the living characteristics, what makes uh, matter living, we will have to set out different uh, features one by one, like metabolism, then ability to self-replicate, then self-organization, then interaction, and then interactions leading to emergence. So the first point we can discuss is living organisms grow. Now, growth is a point that needs to be understood in terms of increase in mass and increase in number. So there are twin characteristics. So we can think about that. So in plants, uh, the cell division can occur continuously throughout the lifespan. But in animals, there is a limit up to a certain age only uh, cell division can this growth can occur so cell division can also occur in uh, areas where there is a requirement for replacement of lost cells and uh, when it comes to unicellular organisms they grow by cell division so one can easily observe that in vitro laboratory cultures by simply counting the number of cells under the microscope okay so we can say that growth and reproduction are mutually exclusive events. So how, how, how we can differentiate matter on the basis of growth? Because non-living objects can also grow 
uh, though externally as we see sand uh, particles accumulating at one places and then it grows into big uh, sand moons or soil moons and then uh, crystals also show growth but these growths are externally means the accumulation of matter is uh, when we talk about living organisms growth has to be from the inside so there is the basic difference growth external growth is seen in non-living objects can be seen in non-living objects and in living organisms growth is seen in uh, from the internal point of view so it is a characteristic of living systems uh, that growth can be internal in nature because dead organisms they do not grow now the second point that we need to understand vice uh, versa characteristic of living organism is reproduction so there are various modes of reproduction you can see vegetative mode of reproduction asexual mode of reproduction then sexual mode of reproduction just to give an example and a viewpoint fungi multiply and spread easily due to the millions of asexual spores they produce and in yeast and hydra we observe budding so buds grow out and then these buds separate from the parent and uh, find themselves as an individual organisms in planaria platforms we observe true regeneration means a fragmented organism regenerates the lost part and sometimes the entire organism can be regenerated so there is another mode of uh, multiplication by fragmentation so when it comes to unicellular organism uh, like bacteria unicellular algae or amoeba reproduction is almost synonymous to growth that is increase the number of cells so in single celled organisms we are not very clear about the usage of the two terms growth and reproduction further there are many organisms which do not reproduce like mules sterile worker bees infertile human couples that do not reproduce so we cannot use reproduction as an all-inclusive defining characteristic of living organisms but we can simultaneously say that an object is capable of reproducing or replicating by itself the another important characteristic of life is metabolism so all living organisms are made up of chemicals these chemicals are small and big various sizes functions etc they are constantly being made in the body so they are changed from one form to another so all these biochemical conversions uh, are basically metabolic reactions so thousands of metabolic reactions are simultaneously taking place in unicellular multicellular organisms so all kinds of plants animals fungi microbes they exhibit metabolism so we can basically say that the sum total of all the chemical reactions occurring in our body is metabolism and also we can say that no non-living object exhibits metabolism so metabolic reactions can be demonstrated outside the body in cell-free systems and isolated metabolic reactions outside the body of an organism performed in a test tube is neither living nor non-living so we can say that metabolism is a defining feature of all living organisms without exception but isolated metabolic reactions in vitro are not living things they are they are surely living reactions so uh, that is one point then other point is cellular organization of the body that can be referred to as the defining feature of the life forms next point is uh, response to uh, uh, stimulus or the ability to sense the environments or surroundings so we sense our environment through our sense organs plants respond to external factors like light water temperature 
pollutants, etc. All organisms from the prokaryotes to the most complex eukaryotes can sense and respond to environmental cues. So uh, we know photoperiodism affects the production in seasonal breeders, both plants and animals. So uh, all organisms are basically aware of their surroundings. So, but when it comes to human beings, we are more aware of our surroundings. So we can say that we are aware of ourselves. So we have self-consciousness. So we can say that consciousness is the defining property of living organisms. So a question arises, do patients lying in coma in hospitals supported by ventilators and life support machines, uh, are they uh, conscious no they are not conscious are they branded yes they are branded so can we call these patients who might never come back from life living or non-living so basically if someone is non-conscious has no self-conscious not aware of the surroundings cannot be termed as living so these coma patients may be termed as non-living subjects uh, the next point is that living phenomena are all due to interactions that occur at various stages for example uh, when cells interact it gives rise to the properties of tissues when tissues interact property of tissue system when tissue system is interact it gives rise to the emergence of the property of uh, organs and further organ systems and organism so we can say that these are interactions result in emergent properties at higher level of organization so this phenomenon is true in the hierarchy of organizational complexity at all levels so we can say that living organisms are self-replicating creating interactive systems capable of responding to external stimuli and finally we can say that biology the study of life on earth biology is the story of evolution of living organisms on earth so all living organisms whether they existed in the past, present, or they might exist in future, they are linked to one another by sharing some of the common genetic material, but to varying degrees. So variation is there. So we can next move on to the uh, uh, next topic, which is the diversity in the living world. Diversity basically means having varieties of organisms, plants and animals and other microbes. So we can say that there are a number of species that are known and described. It ranges between 1.7 to 1.8 million these days. So this refers to biodiversity or the number and types of organisms which are present on Earth. But simultaneously, we can also say that new organisms are continuously being identified. So there are millions of plants and animals in the world. We know them by local names, but we need to develop a system where uh, a plant or an organism or an animal is known by a same name. So there was need to standardize the naming of living organisms so that a particular organism is known by the same name all over the world. So this process is referred to as nomenclature. So nomenclature and naming is only possible when the organism is described correctly and we know to what organism the name is attached to. So this is referred to as identification. So you need to identify the organ uh, in order to name it. So in order to facilitate the study, number of scientists, they worked on established procedures to give scientific names. And finally, for uh, plants, 
International Code of Botanical Nomenclature and for Animals International Code of Geological Nomenclature. These scientific institutions, they, they actually decide that uh, organisms are given one name uh, which is being represented all over the world. So description of any organism should enable the people in any part of the world to arrive at the same time. So they also ensure that such a name has not been used for any other known organism. So in assigned his name as uh, Carolus Linnaeus, uh, he gave what is referred to as the binomial nomenclature. It has got two components. The uh, first part is the generic name and the second part is the uh, specific epithet. So it's a two-word format. Uh, for example, Mangifera indica. So you can say that Mangifera is the uh, generic name and indica is the specific epithet. And there are certain rules, universal rules of nomenclature to be followed for binomial nomenclature. The first is biological names are generally Latinized, written in italics. So uh, the second one is the first word represents the genus name. The second component represents the specific epithet or species name. When the words are written in biological, so they are handwritten, say they are separately underlined, but when they are printed, it's printed in italics to indicate their Latin origin. The first word denoting the genus starts with a capital letter, very important. The specific epithet starts with a small letter. For example, if I write Mangifera indica, then M is capital, while indica, the first letter I, is a small. Also, the name of the author appears after the specific epithet. So, for example, if I have to include the author's name Linnaeus after Mangifera indica, I will write Mangifera indica Lin, L-I-N-N. So, uh, the author's name is written in abbreviated form. It means that Mangifera indica was first described by Linnaeus. It is nearly impossible to study all the organisms. So. Uh, it was required to devise certain means to make this possible, hence the need for classification, which is a process by which anything is grouped into convenient categories based on some easily observable characters. So we can think of dogs, we can think of when you are thinking of dogs, we cannot think of cats, when you are thinking of mammals, we can think of mammals, we cannot think of wheat and rice. So when we are thinking of wheat, we can think of wheat only, we cannot think of rice. And simultaneously we can say that there is a scientific term for these type of categories which is called taxa. So animals, mammals, dogs, weeds, rices, they represent taxa at different levels. So based on characteristics, all living organisms can be classified into different taxa. So this process of classification is called taxonomy because because you're basically representing organisms um, as taxa at different levels. So external structures, internal structures, along with the structure of the cell, then embryo development, then the ecological information, they are all included in taxonomical studies. So we can say that characterization, identification, classification, and nomenclature are the processes that are basic to taxonomy. So in earlier days, uh, the scientists used to classify organisms uh, according to the need. So human beings had the needs of food, clothing, and shelter. So the earliest classification are based on the uses rather than it included any other criteria. But then, curious time and uh, uh, humans wanted to know more about different kinds of organisms and the diversities and relationship among them. So a separate branch of study came into existence and it was called systematics. 
so the word systematics is derived from the latin word systema which means systematic arrangement of organisms and Linnaeus, carolus Linnaeus, he used systema naturae as the title of his publication so we can say that systematics takes into account uh, evolutionary relationship between organisms so this evolutionary relationship between organisms is uh, technically called as phylogenetics so uh, next point is taxonomic categories so classification as such is not a single step process but it requires a hierarchy of steps and each step represents a rank or category so we can call this as taxonomic categories and all the taxonomic categories will then together constitute the taxonomic hierarchy so a unit of classification is referred to as rank or taxon so when we talk about uh, insects we need to understand that there is this represents a group of organisms represent certain common features like uh, three pairs of jointed legs so uh, we can say that the category represents rank and each rank or taxon represents a unit of classification so these taxonomic groups categories are distinct biological entities and not merely morphological aggregates so they are biological uh, entities so that has to be clearly borne in mind so taxonomical studies of all known organisms have led to the development of common categories such as kingdom uh, then phylum or division and plants then class order family genus and species uh, let's talk about uh, uh, species the taxonomic studies consider a group of individuals with fundamental similarities as a species but basically you have to understand that species is a group of individuals who can interbreed among themselves so this interbreeding term is very important with respect to species so let us consider mangifera indica or solanum tuberosum or panthero leo so these terms indica tuberosum leo it denotes species specific epithets so each genus can have one or more than one species representing different organisms but having uh, morphological similarities so the basic requirement is the knowledge of characters of an organism or individual so this helps in identifying similarities and dissimilarities among the individuals of the same kind of kinds of organisms for example if we talk about panthera so panthera has tigris solanum can be nigrum or melongina human sapiens so that is the scientific name for human beings then we talk about genus so genus is uh, um, comprises of a group of related species which can have more characters in common when compared to species so genera are basically aggregates of closely related species for example solanum 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 uh, is contained uh, tuberosum the nigrum um, uh, then Panthera leo, Panthera pardus, and Panthera tigris. So Panthera is genus, which can have several species, and also uh, Felis, which is a genus which includes the cat family. So we can say uh, that uh, genus or aggregates of close related related species. Then the next term in the category is family, which is a group of related genera, but still lesser number of characteristics when compared to genus and species so families are characterized on the basis of both uh, uh, vegetative and reproductive features of plant species 
so uh, you can say that there are three different genera solanum petunia and datura they can be placed in the family solanaceae similarly genus panthera uh, comprising lion tiger leopard can be put along with genus felis in the family felidae so you can say that uh, felidae and canidae uh, they are different families because uh, you can put dogs in another family so the next uh, taxonomic category is order so order is a higher category which is the assemblage of families which exhibit a few similar characters the similar characters are less in number as compared to different genera included in a family so plant families like convolvulaceae solanaceae they are included in the order polymoniales and this is on the basis of uh, mainly fuller floral characters so the animal order carnivora it includes families like felidae and canidae the next category is uh, class which includes related orders for example order primata it comprises of monkey gorilla and gibbon uh, placed in class mammalia along with order carnivora that includes animals like tiger cat and dog so class mammalia has different orders also then the next uh, taxonomic hierarchy is phylum so classes comprising animals like fishes amphibians reptiles birds along they are put in the same phylum so uh, based on common features like presence of notochord and dorsal hollow neural system including phylum chordata and similarly in the plants we have a high category called division then the uh, the topmost hierarchy at the top of hierarchy is the kingdom so there are two kingdoms kingdom animalia for animals and kingdom plenty for plants uh, so the taxonomic categories from species to kingdom have been uh, uh, broad categories develop subcategories also to facilitate more scientific placement of various taxa but we can say that as we go higher from species to kingdom the number of common characteristics goes on decreasing lower the taxa more are the characteristics that the members within the taxon share higher the category greater is the difficulty of determining the relationship to other tax at the same level hence the process of classification becomes more complex as we move to the high category now the next topic is about uh, certain examples that we can say uh, related to the taxonomic categories like man so biological name is homo sapiens so here homo is genus sapiens is uh, species family is hominidae order is primata class is mammalia phylum is chordata housefly biological name is musca domestica genus is musca species is domestica family is muscidae order is diptera class is insecta phylum is arthropoda mango mangifera indica is the biological name mangifera is genus indica is a species name families and acardiaceae order is sapindales class is dicotyledony division is angiospermy so here we are using the term angiosperm uh, division term division is used here because it is a plant so angiospermy wheat triticum astivum genus is triticum uh, astivum is the species name family is poiaceae order is poils class is monocotyledony and division is and the last topic in the sense is taxonomical aids so uh, taxonomic studies of various species of plants animals and organisms are useful in agriculture bioforestry industry 
uh, and in order to know more about our biological resources and diversity. Uh, but it requires correct classification, identification of organisms, and also intense laboratory and field studies. So collect actual specimen of plant and animal species is essential, and this is the primary source of taxonomic studies. So you, you, you basically have to get essential training in systematics. So uh, the collection of specimen, this specimen is used preserved for future studies. So there are many uh, taxonomical aids, like first one is herbarium. So what basically is herbarium? Herbarium is a storehouse of collected plant specimens. So you basically dry them, press them, preserve them on herbarium sheets. And then these sheets are arranged according to universally accepted system of classification so herbarium sheets they have descriptions uh, which uh, can be uh, f used in the future so the sheets they contain a label which provides information about the date and the place of collection the english name the local name the botanical name the family name collector's name etc so we can say that herbaria serves as quick referral systems in taxonomical studies. The second taxonomical aid is botanical garden, which are collections of living plants for reference. So they are used for identification purpose. Each plant is labeled. So again, botanical, scientific name, family, everything is mentioned. The person who has uh, put that plant in the garden his name is also mentioned there so famous botanical gardens you can find are uh, present in england which is q then uh, in Howrah, india there is indian botanical garden and in lucknow there is national botanical research institute the third uh, taxonomical aid is museum so biological museums uh, normally are set up in educational institutions like medical colleges, schools, etc. So in museums, you can find collections of preserved plant and animal specimens for study and reference. So specimens, they are con preserved in jars, uh, in preservative solutions, uh, which is 40% formaldehyde solution. So plants and animal specimens may also be preserved as dry specimens. How are insects preserved? So they are preserved in insect boxes after collecting, killing and pinning. Large animals can also be preserved, so they are preserved as stuffed in cotton and um, uh, they can be uh, accepted for future reference. So museums often have collections of human skeletons and other animals, uh, then skins also, like leopard, tiger, lion, etc., which can be present in museums. The fourth uh, taxonomical aid is zoological park, where wild animals are kept in protected environments under human care, and uh, it enables us to learn about their food habits, behavior. So in animals, in the zoo are provided as far as possible the conditions which are similar to their natural habitats. People, especially children, love visiting these parks, uh, which are referred to as choose the common is the Kaziranga Park where you can see rhinoceroses, the Periyar Park where you can see elephants, and so on Delta you can find the tigers. Then the next point is uh, another taxonomic light is key, which is used for identification of plants and animals based on similarities and dissimilarities. So the keys are based on contrasting characters developed uh, generally in a pair called couplets. So this couplets represents the choice made between two opposite options, which results in acceptance of only one 
of the option and simultaneously rejecting the other so each statement in the key is called a lead so separate taxonomic keys are required for each taxonomic category such as family genus and species for identification purpose and such keys are generally identical in nature for example you can say that an animal has four legs so you can look at the organism and say either yes or no it has got two eyes yes or no it has got one tail yes or no so we can say that keys are tax generally analytical in nature then also there are uh, other aids like flora fauna manuals manual monographs and catalogs flora uh, contains the actual account of habitat and distribution of plants in a given area so they provide the index index to the plant species found in a particular area fauna on the other hand gives the actual account of habitat and distribution of animals present in a given area uh, then comes manuals which are useful in providing information for identification of names of species found in an area monographs contain information on any one taxon and catalogs uh, uh, they are basically systematic arrangements or the list of things which can be found in a particular area and all these terms you can say catalog has been taken from the uh, library so in a library you go and find uh, various kinds of books so you can easily find them because you have got the list and the distribution and the place where you can find so catalogs basically help in understanding um, the list of organisms uh, which can be found in a particular area so basically when we try to summarize this uh, first chapter of the living world we can say that it is rich in variety millions of plants and animals are identified and described and a large number remains unknown the range of organisms in terms of size color habitat physiological morphological features uh, make us seek what could be the defining characteristics of living organisms so biologists have evolved certain rules and principles for identification nomenclature and classification of organisms the branch of knowledge dealing with these aspects is called taxonomy so taxonomic studies uh, are useful in agriculture forestry industry and uh, knowing about bioresource and diversity so the basics of taxonomy like identification naming and classification are universally evolved under international codes and based on resemblances and distinct references each organism is identified and assigned a correct scientific biological name comprising of two words as per the binomial system nomenclature given by carol and Linnaeus. so an organism represents occupies a place or position in the system of classification so there could be many categories or ranks which are referred to as taxonomic categories or taxa and all the categories constitute together a taxonomic hierarchy taxonomists evolved to develop a variety of taxonomic aids to facilitate identification naming and classification of organisms so uh, these studies are actually carried out from the actual specimens which are collected from the intensive field studies and preserved as referrals in the form of herbaria museums and in botanical gardens and zoological parks so it requires a special techniques for collection and preservation of specimens in herbaria museums so live specimens of plants and animals are found in botanical gardens and geological parks respectively taxonomists also prepare to disseminate information through 
manuals, monographs for further taxonomic studies. Taxonomic keys are tools that help in identification based on characteristics which are generally analytical in nature. Then there are flora to understand about plants in a given area, fauna to understand the distribution of animals in a given area and then uh, the catalogs provide the list of organisms found in a particular area so we can say that biodiversity uh, and understanding of biodiversity is very important for human welfare thank you